The statements and views expressed on the Voices and Vulnerability podcast are those of the speakers alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Emory University School of Law or its affiliates. Welcome to Voices and Vulnerability, where we interview the scholars shaping vulnerability theory in the legal world and beyond. I am your host, Mangala Kanesan. Today, I'm grateful to have Dr. Harriet Masoki, Senior Principal Lecturer at the Law Development Center and Senior Lecturer at the Islamic University in Uganda. Dr. Masoki was the first SJG student at Emory <laughs> Law, and we are so pleased to have her back visiting today. Thank you very much for being here. Okay, thank you too. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience at Emory Law and what it's been like to return over the years to continue your research? Uh, one, I am I'm very grateful for the university um, because it gave me a chance to study and I was the first SJD and I'm most grateful to Professor uh, Martha Feynman because uh, she helped me on the admission and she was the chair of my uh, doctoral committee. And I really had a very good experience here. So that's why I always make sure that every year I come back to visit um, my my friends who I was able to, to make when I, when I was here and also to visit my um, my professor and generally see around the university and see how it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, we're glad you're back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It sounds like you're doing some very cutting-edge research right now. Earlier, we talked a bit about these two bills coming out in Uganda, mm-hmm. both having to do with bodily autonomy, mm-hmm. consent, and bioethics. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about those and okay. how the Feminism and Legal Theory Project and the vulnerability theory kind of play into your analysis? Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, first, we have this... Um, law that was just passed in September 2023, and it's the Human Organ and Donor Donation Transplantation Act. And according to that act, um, it uh, discusses the issue of consent when you're a living person uh, and also uh, dead who can give the consent and when you're brain dead and when a child is brain dead. So it looks at the issue of consent. And my concern here is what I want to look at is that um, issue of consent, will it really be free consent? Because um, time and again, we hear of, um, of uh, uh, talk of how um, people are found dead when they uh, go off of postmortem. By the time they bring back the dead body, maybe one of the organs is not there. And then where do you go to and what happens? And more especially... Um, now that many of the Ugandan girls go and work uh, in the Middle East, many of them, when they come back, maybe when they're dead or when they're even still alive, they always complain that they have one liver or some one organ was taken away from their bodies, and yet they don't have anybody uh, who they can take it on. So I look at these these people who are vulnerable because of the condition we are living in, because of the of the poverty many are living in, because of the unemployment that they are living in. So I'm looking at the issue of consent. Do they really go in to do all this because of the because they have given free consent? All this consent is actually coerced due to the circumstances that are taking place. So that's an that's one thing that I'm writing about because it's already an act. And then we have a proposed uh, bill which is in parliament 
and it's on uh, surrogacy and um, assisted reproductive technologies bill. And that one strictly looks at the issue of who can be a surrogate and how can assisted reproductive technology can be used. As uh, in our culture, in my culture where we come from in, in, in Uganda, I mean, a woman is expected to, to reproduce. There is no shortcut. So now we have so many desperate women who have gotten married or in a relationship, and it is expected that as soon as you get married, within the first month, you should be pregnant. If you're not, everybody will wonder what, what the problem is. So now because of that, many people are getting issues on um, that they have to incur a lot of money and they don't get give the free consent to have this uh, the, uh, the IVF done, but because what will society think about them? And we have women out there who are really who really don't have the money, but we also have those who have the money, but they can't be able to uh, their uterus can't be able to hold a child, so they come up to these surrogates. Sometimes they pay them peanuts, but because these women are, are desperate, they consent to. Um, assisting these people to carry their babies. So I want to look at that issue of uh, of, um, of consent, which consent is actually not free, but it is considered free, but these people, whatever they do is because of the circumstances, the conditions surrounding them, and they don't have an option, but to do that in order maybe to uplift their standard of living. So that is what I am looking at uh, in, in those two uh, legislations. Is there already a legal background for anything like blood donation or for anything else that regards donating body parts or donating bodily fluids? The only thing that we have, which we've been having, is donating blood. Mm -hmm. And uh, donating blood, of course, uh, it has been there. And um, we've had Red Cross, we have mm -hmm. in schools. And all that, and that was mainly for, you know, uh, accidents, mothers who have just mm -hmm. given birth. So blood donation has been there. and mm -hmm. But for the donation of any other organs and tissues, mm -hmm. no, we've not been, we've not had a law. And this is the first legislation that has come in place to try and regulate uh, these other uh, body organs that mm -hmm. can be donated. Yeah, because in any case, um, whenever we needed any organ donation, like kidney, like heart, whatever, we didn't have a hospital that could be able to do the harvesting. So most of these people, and of course it's those that have the money, they have been going to uh, mostly either India or South Africa or Turkey for the, for the, for the surgery. But now with the, with the act, it has actually designated a particular hospital uh, the government has put aside money that they are going to buy all the necessary equipment and that will be the very first hospital where we are going to have um, transplants being okay. done. Yes. Wow, so that's all very new. Yeah, very, very new. Yeah. Very new, yeah. How do you think international law will play into this? You spoke earlier about young girls going to work in Dubai and then coming back missing like a kidney. Well, I think, uh, one, um, the fact that the act is um, followed the international standards as have been set by World Health Organization, I, I hope that will be able to be done. 
And two, maybe now that we have an act, maybe we can see how we can be able, maybe our government, to enter into uh, MOUs with the different countries where the girls are, uh, are going mm -hmm. and they can be able to see how we can cooperate and see that we stop the organ trafficking that is now uh, steadily rising uh, from uh, from the different uh, people who are in, in the country. Yes. So would you say that the increase in organ trafficking is what's motivated this law to be passed? That's what I think. Mm -hmm. And also, one, that, and two, because we were having many people die because they could not afford to go outside the country to have the transplants done. Mm -hmm. So, and, and uh, remember, if you're going to have a, you have a donor, you're going to have a transplant, it means you have to transplant the donor, the donee, you know, and then somebody else who is going to keep once uh, an organ is removed from one and put on the other. So it, becoming, it was becoming pretty expensive mm -hmm. for all this to happen. So I think that's when the government said, no, it's high time we really do have, um, we really have this uh, transplant and we have a council because the act creates a national human organ donation Council, which is going to regulate everything that is going to take place in uh, in the in the in the harvesting and uh, and transplanting. Okay. Yeah. That's huge. So that means yeah. that so many people who didn't have access before will have that. Will have. Yeah. It will be it will be easier and cheaper because if you have a relative who wants to donate, mm -hmm. you just have to jump on the bus, come to Kampala where this hospital is. They can get off the, donate, the the organ a few days and then you can go back. Rather than getting on a flight, you have 17, 18 hours on the flight. You get there, you are tired and you know, it takes a yeah. bit of time because you have to go through some testing. But here it will be easier because even uh, accommodation and whatever you are nearer home, it is much easier even in the healing. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And how does it impact donors? Well, first and foremost, uh, it is very clear in the Act that when you donate, you're not supposed to be compensated. You can't sell your organ. That is very clear. If you sell your organ, then you have committed an offence. And uh, considering uh, the Act, it provides that you can only get uh, uh, an organ donation from a relative. Okay. So you can't go out soliciting from other people, except if maybe a person dies and then consents that when I die, my organ can be given out. Mm -hmm. Then it can be given out to any other person because this person is already dead. Therefore, you're, you're not paying him or her any money mm -hmm. to get the organ. Yes. What are some of the issues surrounding organ donation now under this new law? The first one, of course, as I said, is the consent. The second one is the liability. I mean, what happens to doctors uh, if there's a liability? The third one is the issue of negligence. I think we really have to work on it because some people are really, uh, um, are really negligent when they are doing their work. The fourth which I look at is that I can see a problem coming in where you say that only a relative has to donate. So who is going to determine that this person is not my relative? 
because remember relative is either by law marriage or it is by blood so how are we going to determine all this what is going to happen what we have corruption in this particular aspect what if we have people on the waiting list what is going to happen so these are many issues that that won't come up and it's an act that has been brought up not many people have even been educated about it so even with the lawyers apart from we who are interested in issues of of health and mm-hmm. are, are going to find a, a problem because even when you look at the act the language that has been used nobody will be able to understand it apart from the medical the medical personnel yeah. themselves yeah so it is going to be a bit tough but we just hope for the best everything implementation is sometimes difficult at the start but we just hope that as we go along that things will, will work out will work out well yeah let's move on to the surrogacy okay. laws that are okay. you said it's a bill that it's has been passed yeah. yes mm-hmm. what are some of the issues surrounding that bill what's what's in the bill and then what will it change mostly what is in the bill it is trying to regulate now before we had this bill or even any any issue of considering having this bill we had people who started up fat, fat, fertility hospitals and fertility clinics and they used to charge a lot of money and as i said women in uganda are expected to reproduce it 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 is irrespective of whether the problem is with your husband or your boyfriend or whatever a woman you must be able to reproduce so many people because of that um went to these hospitals they were charged so heavily because they had no option because they needed to get the, to get these children so there was a lot of outcry over this a lot of money was taken from the women and sometimes they wouldn't even they would say first attempt second attempt third attempt the woman doesn't get pregnant whereas they have not informed the woman that actually maybe the uterus or something cannot hold the child so that became an issue because i mean nobody was regulating them and then we also got an issue of where women who because of the barrier could not be able to get their children and they wanted surrogates and then because of these surrogates because they are poor they and they want to, they would just go in at a very small fee and then they would be surrogates and at the end of the day even the contracts that they were entering into some of them were never fulfilled so then they were, they started getting a lot of complaints from the surrogates maybe they were never paid fully or they were not given what they were promised to them so when all this came up and um, the issue of ivfs is now becoming really because many people want to have three four babies once and they get out of it so that's when they said no we need to have this kind of legislation and still also the concern here is going to be about the issue of consent and also on the liability of the liability of the doctors yes there are two groups that are being exploited there right first yeah. the women who are trying to use the IVF clinics and mm-hmm. then the sorry the potential surrogates, surrogates who yes. those same women would often turn to yes so how are all of those folks hoping to be protected under this that is what that is that is what we are trying to bring up in the bill mm-hmm. to see that the hospitals the hospitals are providing fertility that they do not exploit the men and the women who want their services mm-hmm. and also that the men and women 
who want the services of the surrogate that they actually do not exploit the surrogate. Okay. So that is what, um, when it went in for the first reading, some of these issues were missing because it was a private member's bill. So when it was brought to parliament, it was then given to say, give your uh, comments. So we are now trying to put in all these comments to ensure that actually, even as we are looking at it, we are looking at the the principles and standards as provided by the World Health Organization. We are not out of it. So that is what we are trying to see uh, and put together. And hopefully it will be able to get back to parliament very soon. As the law on organ donation continues to be understood and as there start to have as there start to be more cases around that, mm-hmm. do you think that this might impact the upcoming surrogacy bill in because it's it's similar, right? Is it yeah. similar at all? Because no. a, for a surrogate, mm-hmm. you're selling the use of an organ, mm-hmm. right? But not an actual organ. When you look at the tissues or the organs that can be sold, that can be donated, the ovaries and the sperm are out of this organ donation. So that is going to be catered for in the, the surrogacy and okay. assisted reproductive, yeah. So there's an exception. Yeah, yes. So there's an exception. Okay. Yeah, they're not okay. part of this. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What are some of the issues surrounding surrogacy and IVF clinics? The first one is the corruption. The second one is uh, these people are not given full information for them to make uh, an informed decision mm-hmm. and an informed choice. Okay. Just come up, say, I, I must have, have children. Okay, let's go and have the, let's have your sperm, let's have your over. And then somehow, one minute, you'll find that uh, uh, DNA is carried out and the child has no blood relation with the alleged parents. And then they have to go back to the, to the IVF and, uh, center. And now we are starting to have cases in court where people are doing that we have carried out a DNA, but this child has has no trace of us in the child, and so they have to go back. And this one is going to be a bit expensive for people because one, even having a DNA in Uganda is pretty expensive. So if it is pretty expensive and you don't have the money, it's going to be a bit difficult. So that is going to be a very big, uh, a very big challenge that we are going to have. And um, because, because it is something that is new, many people see it as foreign. I mean, people wonder, why should a machine be able to uh, put the sperms in a woman's uterus for her to be pregnant? Yet there is the natural way. So everybody thinks as if it is too much of a Western thing and not uh, a natural way of giving of uh, of getting pregnant so that stigma itself is something we are looking at because definitely that stigma even before that had the law there was that stigma where people were saying oh she couldn't get pregnant she she had to first go to hospital and she was helped by the hospital so that stigma is still going to be another big issue that we have to deal with what impact would you like your research to have? 
I know that's a huge question. <laughs> <laughs> I expect that after we after people have read it, especially the lawyers, they will get an interest in this particular aspect because I know we are going to have a number of cases that are going to come up, especially when we have organs being um, being um, being removed or harvested from dead people or alleged brain dead people. So that one, I can see that we are going to have going to have an issue, and lawyers need to appreciate it because we don't want to get there when we when we can't be able to help our clients or right. even or even to advise the government or the council because. According to that council, the body that is going to regulate organ donation and harvesting, it will need people to advise them on what has to be done. Yeah, because they are they are the ones going to make policies, regulations, and so on. So it is important that they have an idea, and we, the lawyers, we are able to advise them on what can what can happen. Yeah. What would you like our podcast listeners to remember, particularly about our conversation today? What, what I want them to remember is that I'm grateful for Emory and two, uh, to remember that um, we are starting up, we, we, we are having these new legislations that are coming up and maybe uh, if, if there's anybody who has any maybe information that can be able to help us, Maybe they can be able to forward it to me and then I can also be able to see or anybody who is interested in writing an article about the, the act, I can be able to uh, get them the act and then they can also be able to see what we are, we are going through because this is something that is really very new in, in our area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And maybe if there is anybody who is interested in this area, we can collaborate and we discuss and we... We talk and see how we can be able to help maybe the lawyers or the doctors in the in the, in the country, and even the uh, the legislators on how we can be able to have these acts uh, help our people and they are not exploited. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, thank you very much for okay. being here and taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you very much. This has been an episode of Voices and Vulnerability. If you like what you heard here, you can find us on Facebook at Vulnerability and the Human Condition Initiative, or on the website formerly known as Twitter, now known as X, at VHC Initiative. If you'd like to contact Dr. Masoki, you can send an email to vhc-flt at emory.edu, and we will forward your email to her. Thanks for tuning in.